Welcome to Family Business Insights, the official podcast of Family Business United, with me, your host, Paul Andrews, where we're looking to get behind the scenes of family firms, address the challenges they face, and discuss the matters of importance to the family business community around the world. I am delighted today to be joined in the studio by Greg McCann, an American family business consultant that's had numerous hats in the fields of family business over the years, and I'll let Greg explain his role shortly. Today, we're talking about the family enterprise mindset, building capacity within the family to enable the family to develop themselves with the business and take it on for generations to come. That involves changing values, changing behaviours, developing capacity, resilience, and actually an authenticity within the family to allow the development of both. Hey, Greg, thank you so much for joining us in the studio this morning. Um, can we start with a little bit about your background? You've been involved, I guess, with the sector for many years now. So a little bit of background just to give the audience some, some, some key facts about where you've come from, and then, then we can get into the, the, the meat. Sure. Um, Paul, I often say I wear four hats relative to family enterprise. The first is I grew up in uh, many family businesses. My family had my dad's kind of a serial entrepreneur, and I'm still an owner in our family's extended business. Uh, the second hat is I was a professor at Stetson University on, in the business school where we created the first major in the U.S. and we think the world in family enterprise. We also helped co-create the Transitions Conference, a big conference here in the States. The third hat I wear is I do some writing and speaking and then probably the majority of my time now is in consulting with family businesses with a focus on developing capacity, agility among the leaders in family enterprises. So you, you, you come from a fully immersed background, don't you, Greg, in terms of different facets and different hats. So a perfect person really to, to talk about the past 18 months and then creating some sort of certainty going forward. Sure. Thank you, Paul. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, Greg. What, what do you mean by the family enterprise mindset? Well, you know, more and more, I think, as you look at some of the stats and Paul, a national survey done in the States 10 years ago, really a landmark study that is now about 11 years old found out looking at family businesses across industries, second generation and older, found a couple things that over um, the average family business in that survey had changed their core industry 2.1 times, that 90% of the families owned more than one businesses and a fifth of them controlled five or more businesses. So I think what you're seeing is this notion of one good business lasting three generations is probably becoming obsolete. And even if it's the same business, the industry will change. So I think more and more there's a need for families to say, how do we develop the capacity in our family for this level of change and also to make the family involvement a strategic advantage to all the enterprises, be they for profit, a family office, philanthropy or whatever. Mm-hmm. that enhance these enterprises. Okay, so that's, that, that's, that's cha- taking, I guess, the concept we often have in terms of the entrepreneur being the first generation, passing it on to the second, and then they're just exploring it. You're, you're talking about a mindset that puts that entrepreneurial spirit across all the family then. Right. It really says that it's not casual. It has to be more intentional. So I'd almost say you need a family enterprise practice Mm-hmm. To say, if we're going to figure out who we are, what our purpose as a family is, and just a brief aside, we often do an exercise with families to say, if in five years your family, not the business, your family was on the cover of a magazine, tell me what the magazine is and what the caption is. So one family we worked with said, we want to be the first family of our state helping turn around the economy. 
That led to two decisions in this family. One, to get out of fracking as an investment, and two, to put a million dollars of the family money into educating inner city youth. So I think it's really important to, that alignment. What are our values? What's our purpose? And how do we bring those to the enterprises we're involved in? And I think that is where you get the strategic advantage that research and my experience show families that do this right tend to have values-based decision-making, tend to have greater trust, which allows for quicker decisions, tend to have governance by people with a true emotional investment in what's going on. They tend to have longer-term thinking and they tend to be tied to their community more. And I think really that's what most of us want from corporations in our world. That's really powerful stuff, isn't it? And, and I guess the, the, the bit I want to pick up to start with then is that you, you talk about purpose and values. How easy is it to take a family that would already say they have core values and a purpose and really make them understand what that means to them and then where they're going in the long term? You know, Paul, that's a great question. What I find is so many of my families, the values are kind of embedded. You know, the mm -hmm. founder lived them and they were organically transmitted into the company. I think as you grow the family and grow the business and you have more complexity, more shared power, more shared information, it has to be more intentional and the values can't be a plaque on the wall. So mm. we've worked with some families to say, how do you operationalize and assess if those values are being followed? And I think that takes some true work, but ultimately, you know, values are what you care about and fulfilling them is I think a great definition of success because the money's important but I think if we doubled our profit and corrupted our kids, nobody would say we had a great year. No, I totally agree with that, Tom, uh, Greg, Greg, to be fair. And I think that's a great way of looking at it. Um, how open are families to, to talking about this, this kind of this mindset? And, and it, it, mindset's one of those words, isn't it? You suddenly think, has my mind not been in the right place or have I not been thinking about things in the right way? So it could be seen as a, almost like a challenge on the individual. Has, has, has that been a, been a problem for you? Well, you know, I was asked to give a provocative speech about seven years ago, and I said the term family business may become obsolete. Mm -hmm. My, what I'm finding is, and it's probably analogous to how many people in the population work out and go to the gym. You know, nobody ever stands up and says, I'm against working out. And here's why. We all know we should do it. It's just hard to do it. Yeah. And oftentimes something like a heart attack is the motivator. What I'm finding is about 10% of the families I come across are willing to invest the time and effort proactively to develop this capacity. I have two clients, actually three now, that have changed their the corporate name. One created a, a board level position uh, to not enforce, but to evolve this notion. Another one just sold their business and they said, we're not setting up a family office. We've got a lot of entrepreneurial energy we're not going to give our grandkids passive wealth. You have to step up and be involved as an owner, as a board member, or at least on the family council. And you've got to devote some time to developing this capacity and this agility that we talked about. Again, that, that, that's really powerful stuff, isn't it? Because I'm, I'm sitting here listening to what you're saying and, and trying to think back in terms of the family, just the word family business. And what you're talking about is actually we've created leaders and we spend a lot of time on leadership development but you're talking about a mindset that takes more than the leaders on a journey it's taking the whole the whole family and the whole business on that journey aren't you so it's more of an entrepreneurial concept applied to practical reality yeah well put paul i i think it says look you're you've been given a blessing you know economic opportunity wise a chance to impact the world but with that comes some expectations so you know and i like the word development of capacity 
a lot of people talk about family learning. If learning is a transfer of skills and knowledge, that's important. Can you read a balance sheet? That may be important. But development is more in, intimate. It's saying, do you know what your strengths and weaknesses are? Do you know why dad won't retire? Do you know why you're not credible yet in this position? It's intimate work in families. So I think developing your character and your capacity, your emotional intelligence is profoundly important. And it's so contrary to a lot of families that want to just keep harmony. But I think that earned harmony of the ability to have the difficult conversation, that ability to be more self-aware, more empathetic, is really what transforms families. It's that whole honesty, isn't it? Honesty in conversation and honesty with what you want and what you want for the future. Exactly. But how do you how do you teach that? How do you work with families to help them, the individuals within the business, develop their capacity? What sort of things do you do with them? You know, I use a broad model that's based on studying 800 leaders and how they develop. So we give them kind of a roadmap of what that looks like, which in itself, research shows, tends to accelerate things. Then there's four agilities that almost all the work I do can be anchored to. First is self-awareness. Who are you? What's your Myers-Briggs type? What's your birth order? Uh, what are your strengths and weaknesses and blind spots? Because a lot of our life, especially in our families, are just unconscious patterns. And so we help to work to make those into choices. You know, I can be very innovative and that's fine, but sometimes you just need to order lunch. So it's the agility to say, what gear should I be in for these circumstances? Yeah. Beyond the self-awareness and empathy, Paul, the third and fourth agilities are framing, which is so important and probably the most overlooked of the four agilities. How do you really put some time and effort into distilling down what people in the room care about? Is this a tax issue? Is this a sibling rivalry issue? You know, we're often in meetings where there's four people and three different meetings going on. And the dreaded <laughs> end of the meeting is, I guess we need another meeting. And everybody sighs. So framing is a skill, you know, I'm working with a couple different groups, and that's probably the one we spend the most time on. And then the fourth, which ties into today's theme, is innovation, which is creating value from change. We've never had the rate of change that we have now, and it's only going to get more dramatic. How do you find a way to create value from this? And, you know, a blind spot in a lot of families mm -hmm. is mistaking loyalty to the family and its values for adherence to old business ways. In other words, grandpa loved Blockbuster, so we'll always be Blockbuster people, is kind of missing yeah. the point. It's such a complex complex area, isn't it? And, and I, I certainly don't want to, to dismiss the, the complexity. Um, but but you, you talk about rate of change and being innovative and that complexity added on top. How do you think that's impacting your family businesses today in the current climate? Oh, I, I think it is very, very difficult. You know, the complexity of family and business alone is challenging. The mm. complexity of the rate of change. You know, I, I'm a big planner, but I think I've shifted my thinking from planning has a place. But given the unpredictable nature, you know, everything from COVID to globalization to exponential change, I think more and more developing the capacity and agility to deal with that change is something families need to invest in. You know, Paul, it's amazing. If you look, most businesses, especially of some size and maturity, when you ask them, how many reports do you get? How many advisors do you have? How much time do you spend on your business? It's an incredible investment. Mm -hmm. Yet when you ask that same question, what do you do to develop your family? It is often fairly minimal, the amount of time and effort. And I think what we're trying to do is balance those two out. Let's invest in the family at least as much as you invest in your business. 
So, so so good advice there, Greg, in terms of taking time to invest in the family as much as the business and making sure the family is best prepared to deal with whatever the world throws at it around the corner. Because we never quite know what's next now, do we? Exactly. Have you seen have you seen families become more resilient in the last year or so, Greg? Oh yeah. Um you know, Paul, one family worked with three generations, incredibly entrepreneurial, had sold a large business, and we're trying to develop this family enterprise mindset, which they've adopted almost to the letter. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done a couple things. They have virtually no outside employees. I mean, they have employees, but the family runs it. They've developed a way to invest in the next generation if they come up with a business plan. They have sort of disrupted the idea of a single family office, at least for them. And they've invested 18 months in developing the trust, the accountability in the family. And even we've done some assessments on that. It's probably improved 50% in 18 months. But it was a lot of work. It's I use the analogy of going to the gym. We are fitness coaches, but the client has to do some heavy lifting, some sweating. And this client certainly did. And I think they would say they have transformed it. You know, the, the patriarch said before we started, he thought all the next gen in their 30s, needed to learn was financial information. He said, now I see that's 5% of what they need. That's really interesting. And, and how does it, how do you embed that new mindset into the business and, and into the family so that, that it's not just an exercise today that benefits today, but it's there for the longevity and for the future? You know, one of the emerging models, and I'm in a group that meets virtually every month to talk about this, is more and more, I think families are looking at the role of a chief learning officer. Mm-hmm. You know, a consultant can do it, but I think if you have somebody embedded in the organization that is constantly looking, how do we develop this capacity? And the second part is, I think you need to figure out ways to assess it. You know, we have some modules we use that can assess how much the trust has improved, how much accountability and commitment have improved. I don't think you'll ever measure it as precisely as we measure finances, but I think assessing it and talking about it. Um, you know, one group I worked with said, and this was interesting. They said, we've improved all this stuff. We've worked really hard. But the best part is it's fun to go to work again. The meeting is happening in the meeting, not in the restroom. Fascinating. And that, that's, the, that's the beauty, isn't it? When you can stand back as you do, having seen this over a number of years and see the benefits of developing something new and making it real and actionable, these families can take actions, as you say, in the boardroom and not take it home with them. So you're almost creating better businesses and better families. So the benefits all around. Exactly. You know, every family tends to have these bumps under the carpet they keep tripping over. It takes courage to say, let's bring them out and discuss them. And sometimes it's just a a misassumption. Sometimes it's very easy to clean up. Sometimes it takes a lot more work. But if you don't do the work, you keep tripping over those same bumps constantly. Yeah. And they're not going to go away, are they? Those bumps will always be in the road. So if you can do something to mitigate them and deal with them, or at least address some of the issues around them, then surely it's going to be better for everybody. Exactly. Exactly, Paul. Mindset. What are the long-term benefits for, for everybody involved? I, I think it shifts. You know, so many clients I have, um, they're great operators of their business and their business is very demanding. I think two benefits from, in, in terms of your question, Paul, are one, this development work that we do helps people step back, be less attached to being busy, creating more white space and thinking and thinking more like an owner. So it's not how do I make my blockbuster the most efficient blockbuster left? It's maybe we should be switching to Netflix or maybe we should be switching industries. You know, research shows most businesses are overmanaged and underled. 
I did a workshop on this with 50 business owners. 47 said they were overmanaging and underleading. I think leading is saying, what's the vision? What's the long-term trend? Is this the industry we need to be in? And I think that's something a lot of family businesses just feel too busy to address. And I think that's a fatal flaw in many cases. I'd, I'd agree with that. And actually quite a lot of our own research has shown that, that, that business owners will, will, will happily say, look, we don't spend enough time focusing on the business and on the strategy for the business. We're just doing day-to-day stuff and focusing on the day-to-day and what needs to be done today. So that long-term, and they all talk about having a long-term view and being stewards for, for future generations. This goes hand in hand with that, doesn't it? In terms of giving them the, the confidence and maybe some of the skills in order to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, one patriarch, we said, he said, you're really helping make better people. And that's something every family wants. And I think there's a great deal of truth to that. Mm. Um, you know, framing a, a continuum of opportunities. So maybe if you're 25 and in grad school and married with two kids, maybe the family council is the only commitment you can make. But we still want you to be more self-aware, more empathetic and more innovative. Yeah. Greg, do you find there's a different in terms of approach or maybe take up from the different generations to this approach to, to, to the, the family and the business? Is there a difference in the younger generation, for example, and a, and a nearing retirement generation as to the way they want things to, to, to evolve and how fast? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, two things. One, I, families evolve slower than businesses. So I think there's a, a different pace that a lot of business people have to digest that uh, you know, I had one family that said, we'll spend a whole afternoon on succession, but not all of us can make the meeting. That's sort of like saying, I'll get, can I get in shape in one <laughs> afternoon? It just doesn't work that way. Um, I, I find the families where we have the most success is where the senior generation is willing to do at least their share of the emotional work. I think when it's fix my kids, that tends not to work. Yeah, so what, so what I'm hearing is it's got to be an open, honest conversation between everybody and everyone's got to come to the, the table at the same time and be prepared to listen, I guess, and actually change some behaviours and some ways of doing things. Exactly. If you're not willing to work on yourself, you know, so we often look when we go in with a family, how much professional or personal growth has this family done? And Paul, to jump back for a second, I want to say, you know, if your life, if your daily work life feels like you're Indiana Jones running ahead of that boulder in a movie, you may feel like you're stressed and, and giving everything you can, but you're probably not leading. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good analogy, Greg, in terms of people could be busy fools and spend an awful lot of time probably paddling about and going around in circles and not really dealing with things. And then you bring the complexity of some of the things that you talk around in succession, next generation governance and, and roles and responsibilities. It's not going to help by not addressing them, is it? It's just, it's just putting it on the, the next meeting agenda and it's just going to be there in perpetuity until someone is brave and takes the steps to, to engage with some of the things that you've been talking about this, during, during this podcast. Exactly. Yeah, I'm coaching about 10 people right now, all leaders, some of them in multi-billion dollar enterprises. And every one of them has more white space as one of their top three goals. Yeah, I think we probably all need that, actually, to be fair, just some white space. And I know that the pandemic has made things change and we've all changed our behaviours to an extent to adapt to what we're, we're living through. But actually, that, that pure white space to just sit and think and plan and be strategic must be incredibly valued to some of these business owners running really multi-generation and, and multi-million dollar, dollar businesses. It is. And I think technology has made that, you know, 100 years ago, white space was probably pretty easy. Now, with texting and all the electronic devices, I think it's incredibly hard to create white space. And yet, I think if you're leading, it is as important as virtually any other resource you have. 
and would you say that the, the, the development of something along the lines of the enterprise mindset that's that's a really good platform to help build a potentially multi-generational business more so than than just continuing on a daily basis as you would do normally yeah i think you know you could say the family business mindset is a reframing of family business and yeah. in my experience it's necessary if you want to adapt to the world today I probably agree with that as well. And, and and would you say it's suited to all families in business together or, or does it need a specific, like we, we've talked about engagement and, and being prepared to change, but but could it apply to every single family business in operation today? Well, I, I think in a way the family has to be ready for it. So they have to be proactive and courageous. I, I think if your industry is changing, it fits. I There's probably some industry somewhere that isn't changing, but I, I can't think of one. No, I think I think I agree with you. The rate of change of everything at the moment, um, that if it's not changing today, it'll be changing tomorrow. So I, I think the mindset has to be ready for change. And, and that's going to help change the business and help the business have greater chance of success. Yeah, you know, Paul, I heard somebody say that in the past, maybe one good business idea might last three generations. Today, we probably have to think about each generation needs three good business ideas. So nine times the rate of change. I think that's a good mantra to families to think about. So expecting one family member to lead and carry the torch and everybody else can sit back and relax, I, I think is um, dangerous. I think it lacks developing the family's potential and puts the business at risk. I'd, I'd agree. And I think one of the things we've seen over the last 10 or 15 years in particular is that actually the, the, the businesses that are surviving the test of times are the ones that are innovative and they are changing and they're entrepreneurial. So the mindset has to match the way the business is evolving. And I think that's what you're talking about today. Exactly. Yeah. Invest in your family, invest in developing that capacity, invest in developing that agility. You know, the planning, I think, is really important, but the ability to pivot and adapt and see opportunities is more important and and, and a, a final question then i guess from from me greg do you think that helps families become more resilient in business absolutely absolutely yeah i you know this this work especially the deeper work with the leaders i think they are able i mean a quick example somebody i'm coaching used to think they had to solve every problem it was exhausting now they often see there's a gear where they say my job is to frame this and facilitate the discussion to get buy-in and the resources and talent and insight from the rest of the stakeholders. So developing the capacity and agility to say, maybe this isn't a problem to solve, but a strategic solution that I facilitate, or maybe even a chance to evolve the culture of our organization or family. That capacity to reframe things is vital. And one I find maybe about 30% of leaders have. Greg, that's, that's a really great insight to finish on. Uh, as always, talking to you is a pleasure because you take my mind into a different direction every time we speak. And I think there's some great information in there for families and business that want to survive. They all talk about being stewards and wanting to survive for generations, but actually people need to change. So some great nuggets in there for people to take away. Um, we will share the resources afterwards too, so people can find out more about you and put some links out there too. Greg, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. Keep safe and well. Paul, thank you. And thank you for all the good work you do for this field. Uh, that's not a problem it's what i'm here it's what i love to do greg it's great to talk to you and we'll catch up soon thanks paul cheers, cheers. thanks for listening i'm your host paul andrews signing off join us next time for more insights from the world of family business